You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down in Ada today with Governor Anna Toby. Thank you so much for your time. You're well, a busy man. Well, it's uh, certainly worth it. The Oklahoma Hall of Fame was one of my favorite organizations. Uh, it does so much for Oklahoma. Yeah, they, they do great work, and, it, and it's an honor for me to, to kind of have, be alongside them to share, you know, stories like yours and others of people who have been on the podcast. Um, but one thing, uh, uh, this weekend, I was participating in, in the races who, that were going on for the Run to Remember. And I did see that the, um, the tribe's logo was on all the boxes you guys are giving out. And you're very involved with, you know, the run this weekend and other things that go on around Oklahoma City. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that today because all of the good that you guys do. Um, I mean, you can't, yeah, I don't think you can go to any event around Oklahoma City and not see the impact of, of the nation that you, you know, you're, you're a part of. But before we get into that, we like to tell stories. We like to go back to where it all began and looking a little bit into your history and, and you've always kind of been a homebody to this area. Um, take us back. What was, what was it like growing up in this area as a, as a young kid? And what was that dream of young Anatoly back then? Well, you know, the, I grew up in Tushmingo, which uh-huh. is a little south of here. My, my family, uh, actually, they, their roots were there. Uh, but when I was born, I was born in Denison, Texas, which uh-huh. you hear say that, Texas, you know, did you hear that? Um, and uh, that was about, uh, my dad went down there to work, and I have five, I had five siblings and so uh, I was the sixth that came along, and it was in Denison. And uh, my dad worked in a, uh, a plant down there. He passed away when I was, just, I wasn't quite three years old. And so the family moved back to Tishomingo. Elsa might have been a Texan. <laughs> uh, I told the uh, governor of Texas one time I was born in Denison, he, Sent me a flag to hang. But I, <laughs> I w- didn't quite make it to that. But when we moved back, obviously it was a uh, losing uh, the breadwinner for the family was made it pretty difficult on everyone. Fortunately, my dad was covered well by insurance, uh, I, but it was still kind of difficult to yeah. get by. Uh, my mother was pretty. Uh, certain about how she liked to have things done. Uh, she wanted everybody to make it on their own. Mm-hmm. We didn't take any kind of relief of any kind. Uh, but uh, as I grew up, you know, I, was, I grew up with that. Uh, uh, my mother uh, raised us all. Yeah. And so uh, I had a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, there were people in my life that helped me, uh, gave me the father image uh, that I needed. School teachers, 
primarily uh, been in the church. I was raised in the church. And uh, so I had plenty of mentoring along the way. Uh, but the uh, it was pretty, like I said, it was pretty difficult. We had a, a strong work ethic, and uh, as soon as you were able to go to work and earn a little money, you were out there earning money. Yeah. So uh, that's how I was raised. And when uh, in uh, there's a lot, the family was a loving family. We all got along really well, uh, and uh, so each and every one. I was since I was a, the last one. They gradually left home, and it was just my mother and I. I was my nearest sibling was seven years older than I, so I was almost like an only child for a few years. Yeah. Uh, and so my mother raised me too. And I, uh, we had some, like I said, we had some hardship. We made it through that. Uh, I'm not going to go into all that, uh, but uh, we lo- we learned how to get by mm-hmm. and learned had to work and uh, when I was in high school I felt however that I really couldn't afford to go to college and so I had uh, these thoughts that as soon as I graduated I was going to go to work somewhere I was already working but I meant full time Mm -hmm. regular full time jobs Um, so uh, I had this uh, gentleman that came to visit the school system and he was talking about scholarships and he made the statement you can go to college mm-hmm. it's kind of like this whole block went away you know I didn't yeah. I no longer thought well maybe I should if I can so I was in the National Guard and I went to six months active duty after high school and so during the time that I was uh, on active duty, I sent half of my paycheck back so that I could afford tuition at the junior college or community college in Tishomingo. And so it was my first uh, educational experience in college. Then from there, I got a business degree eventually. Uh, I thought I was going to be a football coach and a uh, math teacher. I really like math. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many people really like math, but I, I really enjoyed it. I had great teachers in high school, so I thought I was going to be a football coach because I love football too. So um, that didn't really work out. I, when I went to Murray College, I, I had a, a math class. I did fine in math, but in uh, we looked for E the whole semester. And I kept thinking, we were going to find E. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was very theoretical and, and all. But uh, I thought, I don't want to look for E the rest of my life. So I left college for a while, met my wife, and we got married. And then I went back to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a senior in high school, and she, was, she had a bookkeeping class. And uh, she was struggling a little bit. I don't know if you've had bookkeeping or not, but debits and credits and all these things. And I, so I said, well, let me see if I can help. So I sat down and I read the chapter. And I said, well, here, let's try this. And I realized that I could do that. 
I'd never been exposed to it before. So I decided I think I'd like to be an accountant. And so I went to, went on and finished my degree in business at Murray, came to East Central and got an accounting degree. And so I, I had a, a skill that was developed in the education, so I went on and uh, took jobs in that field. Yeah. But during the time that I was in uh, college, the Chickasaw Nation was beginning to develop. Didn't have a lot, but they were beginning to get started. And I, I thought, I'd like, to re, I'd like to be part of that. You know, I, my heritage is embedded deep in me. I mean, I, I know I'm Chickasaw. I was raised by a Scotch-Irish lady, but she always made sure that she knew, that I knew that I was Chickasaw, and she would talk about my dad and the, and the family and all, and had some connection with, with the Chickasaw family. And I, I was just intrigued by the whole idea of having this organization that was for the tribe. So I used to pester people for a job. I mean, wh even when I was in college here at East Central, I'd call people at the Chickasaw Nation. i say, you have any jobs open, you know? I was really anxious to see if I couldn't go to work. Well, I never panned out, so I went to uh, on my first job, which was... Uh, uh, in accounting, I ran an accounting office for this investor, and I kept. And, and interesting enough, the fellow who owned uh, the companies, he had had a working relationship. In fact, he knew a personal relationship with the governor of the Chickasaw Nation, and so I had met him before, but. One day he said, well, just call him on the phone. So he called him on the phone. Here I was just frozen, you know, barely couldn't even think of what I could say to him. But um, things seemed like they were leading me in this direction. I, I don't mean to make any big deal out of that, but it's like this is what I wanted to do, and there were opportunities and doors that opened that allowed me the, to do it. After working a couple of jobs in the accounting field, my the first job, uh, they moved their home office from Duncan, Oklahoma, to Houston. And I really, I wasn't a Houston guy. You know, I, I liked Oklahoma. I didn't really uh, want to go. And so I took another job, and I worked for a CPA firm. And so this job opening came at the tribe. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put my name in the hat. So I did, and after a little time, I was able to get go to work for the nation. Mm -hmm. I was really prepared for it with, uh, you know, some management. Uh, I'd been a sergeant in the National Guard, so I had a platoon, and so I knew uh, some leadership there, and then had some experience in management, and then accounting. So I had some skills that the tribe needed. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to work, the, the first job I had was in a management role over a department. It's a very small department. In fact, the tribe didn't have more than 30 employees working at the time. It was like, okay, uh, we have to make something of this. Mm -hmm. If we're going to make it uh, better, 
we had about 30 employees, had about, um, we had a budget of about a million dollars, which that's a lot of money, but it was, as you know, even back then, the, it didn't stretch. It was all, it was federal funds. And the federal dollars has a string with every every dollar. You say, okay, this, you get this, but this is what you use it for, that's it. And so, uh, we knew that we needed to have a little more flexibility and be able to do more things. So we set some goals. We felt like that we needed to raise revenue somehow. And over a period of time, we were able to develop our strategy of economic development. And that would be business development. Uh, and we saw that as an alternative to the federal funding. So first, first job as a director uh, of a department, then they wanted to have an accounting department because they were beginning to bring a little more money in. Before, every, every program had a bookkeeper, so we brought all the bookkeepers together, set up a centralized system. That was the job they gave me. And so that was right down my alley, you know, had done things similar to that. So as time went by, um, the, the role changed from like an accounting director to a controller type job, which is very similar, but had more responsibility. Then to a special assistant to the governor, which never dreamed I'd get that far. And a special assistant was more of a management role than a support role. And I ended up being over most everything, like an executive director would be, and uh, had to give up some of the accounting as time went by. So by 1979, the tribe had, a, had its first constitution since statehood and the governor asked me to run with him as the lieutenant governor. And I remember, in fact, it was just on the other side of this wall where my office was. I would, uh, I suggested to him that I didn't have any political experience. That my experience had been in business and accounting, and you can imagine how some people look at an accountant. They have the things on their sleeves, and they have the, you know, the visor, you know, or sitting there taking care of business and you don't ever get out of their office. Well, I wasn't quite that uh, way. I, you know, I did work with a lot of people, but politically nobody knew who Bill Anatoby was. Mm -hmm. And But the governor said, well, don't worry about the politics. I'll take care of that. You just keep doing your job. So I said, okay, we'll do it. So I ran with him as lieutenant governor. Didn't know if first thing really about politics. I just did my job. But for some reason, he decided that he wanted me to get further out, get, you know, in the political realm. More than anything, just to be known, I guess. Uh, and uh, we had a, another constitution that was passed in 1983. And uh, so I ran with him again. I, that's a long story in itself about the constitutions. 
but we uh, we ran together again, and here I was still lieutenant governor. He decided not to run in 1987. Uh, you probably see politics at a different level, uh, so at state level or federal level, where you have a changeover in leadership. I was uh, elected official, and if I wanted to stay here, I had to run mm -hmm. for the job of governor. I was so uncomfortable with that. I was like, I had to get out of my shell. So I, I took all these courses, you know, to prepare myself, you know, all kinds of things to help me. But I felt, I really think what took me over the line was more than anything what I believed in and being able to communicate that to the people. Uh, I don't take a lot of credit for uh, anything. It, you have people around you that, mm -hmm. that really are helping to get the job done. And so I gave them the credit. And when I go to the I had to knock on doors and ask people. It was one of the most uncomfortable things I ever did. But after a while, I got the swing of it, and people were inviting and were friendly, and and so I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I really did want to be able to stay. So I think people saw that. And myself and my running mate, we uh, were elected without a runoff in the uh, for the governor and lieutenant governor, and that was in 1987. And the job has been challenging, uh, and uh, it's been one that has been, though, very rewarding, uh, emotionally rewarding, because you're able to help people. And that's really what keeps me here, is being able to help people and and help the organization uh, to be what it needs to be. We went from like uh, these 30 employees when I first came to work here to in 1987, we had about 250 employees. And uh, we did have some revenues that were not federal, but it wasn't enough to sustain everything that we wanted to do and needed to do. So we began to work really hard at uh, creating new businesses. And we had uh, had some things we stumbled. You know, it, it didn't work out. And you learn from that, probably more so than you do from your successes. But we're able to build the uh, organization, build the uh, structure that we needed, programs and services, and then the arm for the businesses. And the businesses supplied and do supply revenue to the, the tribe to do the programs that we have. It started out very simple and it just continued to build and we just build on it and build on it. And today we have about, uh, well, it's over 13,000, 13,500 employees. Uh, we have uh, budgets, federal, budgets that make up about 50% of what we do. And we have so many services that we're able to offer, things that we couldn't have 
even dreamed of in 1975 or even 1987. This very building, I, uh, when I was lieutenant governor, we were trying to come to terms with what it would take for us to operate uh, without federal funding. Because you never know mm -hmm. what's going to happen with federal funding. Um, and uh, so I think we had uh, a $10 million budget at the time. And so we had a meeting and we said, well, what's it going to take for us to be able to make $10 million so we can stay afloat? And we needed, if it's 10% of a of what? $100 million, if you're going to do. So $100 million seemed out of reach at the time. But I told the group that said, you know, we'll never get there if we don't start working at it. Mm -hmm. And now's the time to start. So we, we set out on the, uh, developed the plan and been working it ever since. Economic development, self-sufficiency, services to the people and all the different areas of healthcare and education, you know, elder, uh, youth programs, help build this community, not just build wealth, build the community. And, and then the people can, we give them opportunities so they can build their own wealth. Education does it for sure, being able to be on their own. I've talked a lot. There's so much to unpack. Um, I'm, in my head, I'm just thinking of all, all of the little you probably nuances have, from You probably from have the, questions. Uh, no. It, but it, I got started, and I yeah. got on a roll, didn't I? No, I so, love it. Uh, is there anything? I mean, I, I grew up in yeah. Tishomingo. And I have two college friends from Tishomingo, or Tish, as they like really? to say. Really? Yeah, Tish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, the one of them, I think, works at the golf course now down there. I think he's superintendent of the golf course. And the other... Um, has, has cattle and his dad uh, was one of the lo local lawyers down there I think um, great great guys they hosted us every time we played a golf tournament in college at um, Chickasaw Point really um, uh, every every semester we played down there um, South would yeah the what was the college down there they would host us down there Southeastern Southeastern would host mm -hmm. us yeah um, and we'd always stay with their family and they'd always cook us dinner and we had a great time uh, but the first question I have is Tell me about how you met your wife. You mentioned you met your wife after. You know, uh, how do you guys meet? When I was in when I was in uh, college at Murray, uh, there was a, a friend of mine, and she lived actually lived at Fillmore. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a very small community. And I, through her, is when I met my wife. Actually, it was I met her and her sister. And. Uh, I tried to date her sister. It's one of those things, you know. <laughs> I kept, I stayed after her, and she wouldn't have much to do with me. But uh, so I took her sister out. So and we hit it off really well. Yeah. And it was probably t two years of courting, and we decided that we were going to get married. So yeah. we did. It wasn't a great big thing. My brother is a minister and so here in Ada my sister lived here so we had the wedding in her home and it was uh, I worked at this place in, in Tishomingo it was a grocery store and uh, I told the boss the day of the wedding that I needed to have off that afternoon 
Kind of uh, a big deal. <laughs> well, it was a big deal. Yeah. But he said, he called me Joe. That's my middle name, my dad's name. He, he said, Joe, why didn't you tell me? Anyway, so he let me off and paid me, by the way, which I worked at a place where if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. That yeah. was one of the reasons that I felt like I needed to work half a day. So I worked half a day, and we got married at 3 o'clock here in Ada. And uh, we, uh, for the first, she was a senior in high school, so she had to finish up high school. And so... Uh, during that time, I told you what happened about Murray. Mm -hmm. But I had been at Murray, and I was, I was a salesman. I, I sold vacuum cleaners. It was uh, an interesting experience. And I worked in, the, in that grocery store that I told you about. But then after, you know, you know what happened after college. But we, uh, we put me through college mm -hmm. when we came left Murray College and came to Ada. She worked here at a, as a place called, uh, let's see, what's it called now? It, it was a cup factory is what it was. Um, and uh, I worked at Safeway. And so we say, would save the money for the books and tuition from one semester to the next. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we got through, how I got through college. Yeah. We've been married since uh, that time, which was 1967. We're still married. We had two boys, uh, and there's uh, five grandkids. And the uh, oldest uh, is a boy, and he's the one I mentioned that came to the ball game. Mm -hmm. He lives in Oklahoma City. He's a graduate with OU with in business business administration with a emphasis on economics and um, information management. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, one granddaughter that's in, uh, she's in this culinary school. So she's learning about that. She just loves it. And I have two uh, granddaughters that are the same age, just a month, month apart from the different families. And uh, they... Uh, they're in high school, being here. And one is uh, a photographer. She really likes photography. Yeah. So she's doing that. So uh, it, I'm really proud of my family, and we're close, all of us. Just like I was close with my siblings and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one. That's one of the things when you grow up in a you know youngest of six. Like you're you know, you know you're you're always around your family. They're always helping out. You're always, you know. Sometimes when mom's in work, the kids you know the older kids are looking after you, and it's you know people can relate to that so much. People listening or, or people of other stories or just people who you see every day or the amount of people that you've helped and built the community. I think that's one of the powerful things is they can resonate so much with you, and you know like you said, you're not the go out here polit political, I'm going to hold rallies and I'm going to yell down a microphone and tell you all the things we're going to do. You quietly go about your business and the numbers speak for themselves. And I can definitely resonate with knocking on doors because that's miserable. <laughs> that's yeah. not a fun experience. Anybody wants, it's, it's not easy, but it's something you have to do and you've got to put yourself in front of people and shake hands. And But you did it, you know, if you forced yourself to do it, but you still did it in a way that was 
definitely you and your quiet work ethic and have built something and been a part of something that, that you know, like I said, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, almost 13,500 employees and the we, amount of businesses are endless. We have a lot of folks that are really talented, you know, and that helps really for our growth and our success. It's I've been really blessed by by having these folks. In the very beginning, I had to do most of it on my own. But as time went by, we were able to get the folks to come to work here that really could fill in the, the void. One person, you, you're not talented in every area, you know. You have to have people that are good, better than you are. I'd rather hire somebody that's better than me in one area and other than me try to do it because yeah. I'm likely to bungle it, if you know what I mean. But we, in the early days, it's pretty much what it was. You know, we were struggling. Uh, we're building a government at the same time as we were building the revenue base. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the constitutions. We had a lawsuit filed by citizens that claimed that our constitution that existed in 1967 was still in effect. And they won. Down. And so the, I mentioned the 79 Constitution. That was one that we were trying to develop an organizational structure for the government. And uh, when this lawsuit was decided, then we had to reform our government. We had to put the 79 and the 1867 together and come up with one, which was 83. Really put us back into the for sovereignty, it took us back to the 1800s. Yeah. In other words, we had the same government, same authorities and sovereignty we had back then, limited by federal law. And so people had to get used to that. We were told for decades, you don't have sovereignty, you don't have uh, ability to make decisions for yourself, you're going to do what we tell you. And that was a federal government. So. And that may be crude the way I said that, but they had rules and they had regulations about how you were going to function. And so when we had this lawsuit, it kind of put everything in a tailspin, and we had a, we were making our own decisions. So our people and the people in our government had to make an adjustment to the new freedom and new authorities that we had authorities, there were responsibilities that go along with it. Mm -hmm. So there was a building process of developing the government, the tribal government, to be what it is today. But back then, it was really fledgling. It, we, we had operated with one person as the leader, mm -hmm. and that was the governor, until we had the 79 Constitution. From, in 1971, it was the first time that the governor was elected since statehood. Wow. So, I mean, it was new. In yeah. fact, it's still new when you yeah. think about 1983 until now. Right. That's very That's recent. new. Yeah. It's a new government still. But if you look at the way that it functions, yeah. it's marvelous. I mean, it's not a government that you could build and typically and have it function like it is today. Mm -hmm. But it has, and people really, they hold the Constitution 
hold it high. It's one of the most important things that we have. Mm -hmm. It gives us what we need to be able to do what we need to do and what we want to do. The ability to make our own decisions. So that's what has led us. It's not just the funding from the Department of our Department of Commerce. It's it's the, the will of the people and what they chose to do in 1983 and have continued to choose. They want a government that works well and functions, and our elected officials know that. And we go to them regularly for their advice and what uh, experiences that they're having. There's, um, when you, I mean, going, I have to go back, I can't, I can't get over the numbers. When you go back to the numbers and you see, and you mentioned it, just kind of like you work on one thing and then we build around that. You work on something else and we've done it's slowly, slowly building this, like a snowball effect, to use the analogy. And, and that's kind of how you grow. But during this time as you're growing, are you getting pulled in either direction of like, hey, you're real successful. Why don't you come over and do this? You know, why don't you come be in corporate business and do like, was there, is there any, when you look back, you think, where would I be if I went to this door instead of this door? Like, what, uh, what, what kind of keeps you centered here to the nation, to your heritage? I like it so much. Yeah. I really do. I'm, it's my dream job. I yeah. wouldn't have known back in, you know, when I was a child or yeah. in high school or that, that it would be. It's not the political part of it. It's the service Part of it, it's fulfilling. It would really be difficult to go anywhere else and get the same that I have here. And I guess that's one reason I'm still here. You know, um, a lot of people would be retired by yeah. now at my age, but it keeps me alive. It keeps me invigorated, mm-hmm. and uh, the to see. What you'd hoped for back in 1987 actually become a reality. I mean, we never have achieved everything that we right. wanted to do. And I don't know that we'll ever be there. I, I can't imagine it because we always add things to it that we want mm-hmm. and we need to do. But it's uh, there have been times that there have been those that... Uh, I would say tempted me, but I, I always turn to what I'm doing now and continue to do it. Yeah. I ran for Congress in 1998. That was a failure. <laughs> I, came, I came in third in four, you know, number four people in the, in the race. I learned something about politics. I, did, I found out I really don't think I want to be part of this system circus <laughs> some might say <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. Uh, I, I was urged to do it and uh, it looked like the timing was right and but it uh, sort of I'm glad I had the experience mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm here yeah uh, there were times when I was uh, asked uh, would consider appointments uh, in the federal system and I just, at that point, I said, no, you know, I, I really like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I have this, uh, I guess, requirement. Uh, 
in order for me to stay here, obviously I have to be elected. If I'm not, if that aside, however, I have to be effective if I stay here. If I ever became ineffective, I'd be the first one to get out of here, you know, and say, look, we need somebody else. Uh, then my health, everybody's health has to be, mm -hmm. those are the three factors, you know. And as long as the people will have me, then I'll be here as long as I'm effective and, and healthy enough to do it. Yeah. And I've, like I said, I'm really blessed by having the, the, the job. And I don't look at it so much as a position, but as a job. I still have work to do. Yeah, as as you said, it's ever changing. There's the goals keep getting bigger and bigger, right? And and you know what was, you know, back in the day was wow, ten million dollars seems like a lot of money, and then a hundred million dollars seems like we're you know, wow, that's never gonna happen. But like you said, once you start progressing, you have a little bit of success. You build a system that works. That number gets closer and closer and closer, and then it goes to more, right? There's always more, isn't there? And it there's always magnifies, yes. Yeah. Uh, just like our, our health system, uh, you know, we, we grew from, I remember when I was growing up, we had no mm -hmm. healthcare facility within our area. Uh, there was one in Tallahena. I lived in Tishomingo. Tallahena is quite a distance from yeah. here. And then there's a, another one over at Lawton. And that, those were the healthcare facilities that we had. IHS, Indian Health Service, chose to uh, do some things in our area, and, they were, and probably at the urging of the governor. I wasn't there and wasn't part of that at the time. But they started with a small clinic in Tishomingo, and it's grown now to we have like four clinics, and they're not little. Uh, to and then a, med, a large medical center uh, here in Ada, and then we have on the drawing board right now one at Newcastle, which will probably make this one look small mm -hmm. because of the, the user population up there is much larger. So, and it continues to grow, but the needs are there, and that's why you do it. And I remember when we had like 50 students on higher education. And now we have about 5,000 students on higher education. And they're not really grants. They're like scholarships more so than just a grant. A student has to make it through. Mm -hmm. So there are incentives and so things have grown, I guess, incrementally, just a little at a time. And then some, sometimes it would take off a little bit, just like the new medical center here. Yeah. And then we've had, like our seniors, we've always raised our senior citizens up, you know. Uh, and many, you don't get to be an elder just because you get older, you know. Right. <laughs> you have to show some wisdom. But we do have a lot of elders. Mm -hmm. uh, but the senior citizens, I remember the first uh, program that we had, we had one site, and it was right here in Ada. 
and now we have 12. And so it covers the whole area, and then one, the, one of them is in Oklahoma City. So, uh, and everything's grown like that, you know, most everything. Mm -hmm. And so you see the person that goes to that site, and they're enjoying their life. They're getting the, I guess, the fellowship that they need, you know, just like uh, during the COVID, and we're still in COVID, but yeah. we're waning a little bit. Um, you had to stay in if you wanted to be safe, particularly in the first months of that, yeah. and until they got the vaccine, and even you still had to stay in. But um, so when people lose touch, they they lose part of themselves. They need to really be together. And so the seniors, uh, they love those programs. And you see the smile on their faces, and we have these events where they all get together in one spot, you know, and they celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know, and they just love it. And you, that is what causes you to keep running for governor when right. you see those folks because it's, it's all about the people, you know, the yeah. people that you're serving. And you see those uh, students walk across and get their their uh, diploma, <clears throat> and they have these uh, what do they call those? It's not a cord, but there's a anyway. A, they they wear a Chickasaw uh -huh. something. Is it a sash or is it more of like a? It's like a sash. Like a sash. Yeah, yeah. we call it something else. Gotcha. But anyway, it's, you can tell us Chickasaw. You see them they one stand by one. Out. Yeah. yeah. It's special, you yeah. know, for them to get through college, get that degree. I can't help but think of when you, you know, when when you were growing up and you you think, I want to be a math teacher. I want to be a football coach and a math teacher. Sure. You're in that role now. You're just on a different level, right? Like right. You're, you're at a you're at a leadership role, coaching. But it's back to when you're when you're a high school football coach or you're a college coach or whatever it is. It comes back to service. Right? right? Yeah, you're good at numbers. But it's the service element of it's not about real football. It's about life with these kids, right? And that's kind it's, of like the coaches that love it, they're building generations. You know, they're not just right. like, this. we got to win this game on Friday, and that's the end of the world if we don't. You know, it's it's back to service. It's interesting you make that analogy it's because a, yeah. I've, I've made it before myself because that's one thing I really wanted to do is you're build, helping to build uh, yeah. better lives. In this case, look, on a football team you're, or any athletic team, you're wanting to get the very best out of whoever mm -hmm. it is that is out there on the field or on the court or on the course mm -hmm. or whatever. And you want to empower them to do that. And that seems that's we're doing the same thing, like you said. Yeah. We're doing the same thing here. And I use the word we. It's not just me. We have some very talented people that are helping to do that. Yeah. And... Uh, we're building lives, building futures, creating opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can even employ some of these people now. You know, back when, in the early days, uh, people were looking for work uh, and they couldn't come to work for us. We didn't have mm -hmm. the jobs. But now, any Chickasaw, really, who wants to work for the nation can do so. 
But these days, they want to go somewhere else, a lot of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we, it's success, whatever, however they view their own success mm-hmm. and what they want to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, just the, you back to what you said earlier of, you know, it's not me, it's it's we, and it's building a team. And, you know, you said you doors just kept opening for you when you kind of, when you grow, you know, you're, you're on your path, but when you're doing good for people and it's it's about a community, then people see that and they, you know, they're, they're more inclined to open the door if it's we rather than look at me, 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 I, 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 I want to go to the top, I want that job. You know, it's, well, it's a bigger picture. People help you all along the way mm-hmm. in one way or another. And you remember that too. And you mentioned something earlier about uh, seeing the tribe mm-hmm. after helping others. It's important that we help our people, mm-hmm. but it's important that we help people in general. And so we have philanthropic type programs that are designed to help mm-hmm. uh, institutions that are nonprofit that. They they really they're doing some really good work out there, and it's important that we build the community that our people live in. Mm-hmm. We're living side by side with with uh, other citizens, and so it's important that we build the best community that we can mm-hmm. while we're building the best nation that we can. Yeah. So we can coexist and have a better life and you know the Hall of Fame is special okay yeah they do great work yeah (laughs) they it's amazing the work that goes on there and you know uh, we certainly lock into Mm -hmm. the mission the goals of the Hall of Fame Oklahoma Heritage Association is when that's how I first came in contact with it in fact I had a a classmate who uh, was the executive director of, of the Oklahoma Heritage Association back in the 1970s and 80s, before Shannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they had a different model back then. They still had the, the goal of telling Oklahoma's story through its people. But today, this organization has blossomed into something that is much, much more than what it was back then, mm-hmm. better received than what it was back then. It wasn't like it was a hidden jewel. Now it's a jewel out in the open for everybody to see, the museum, uh, the work that they do, and then the, the scholarships that they provide, uh, all the things that they do, I say do good, for the community, do well for the community. Um, and they have all kinds of things for young and old. And it, it's a really fine organization. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. But well, we support uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, and we've tried to help it to be on its own. You know, and it is on its own. Well, several years ago, they need a little more help. And it wasn't just us, but other people stepped up and helped the Hall of Fame to, you know, uh, be what it is. And now it's kind of out there 
on its own doing its thing. Mm. And we, we all still support the organization with its annual fundraising and and all, but uh, it's solvent now. At one point, it needed a little help. Yeah, you uh, you had a you had a you and Chief Batten had a big role in last year's induction. You guys were MC, right? That was you so guys were on stage. That was so time. fun. Never in my wildest dreams would I had ever would I have ever thought that I'd be on that stage doing what we did. So it was a really great experience for me. It was like uh, it wasn't ever on my bucket list, but you know it's one of those things that uh, you get to do. Yeah. It's a real treat. Of course, I I've known Chief Batten for for decades. You know, even before when he wasn't chief, uh, it, and so we we're friends and we, we uh, have similar jobs. Uh, so we get along really well. We have connections between the Choctaw and Chickasaw tribe that, uh, that not all tribes have. Mm-hmm. We have a, a history that goes way back with yeah. Chickasaws and Choctaws do. But that was really a treat. And um, we got to, we, I wouldn't say cut up, but we really didn't do that. But we got to kind of take a jab at each other every now and then, that was fun. And. Uh, he took a jab at me over the uh, the movie Montfort, and the next thing I know, the, there's a picture on the on the screen behind me. But yeah, that was fun. It's not something that likely people will want to see repeated. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun anyway. Yeah. Well, I've just this, I mean the stories we've just spoken about. You know, like being on stage is i mean it's not easy being on stage in front of 1200 people of you know in that room is there's a lot of i mean great people in that room people who do a lot of good for the state and and the nation in general i mean just it, there's you know and then you two are on stage and and you know your personalities are totally different you know i, I that's i mean that makes me nervous going on stage. I don't know how you felt, but it's probably nice to have someone there to bounce off. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I really. Now that you mentioned the twelve hundred people, it makes me more nervous than I was <laughs> yeah. back then. Yeah, no, you I, guys looked like you had a great time. I really was a whole lot more nervous before when I was asked to do it than I was that yeah. evening. Once you get into those things, you know, you just do it. Yeah. And 1,200 people, yeah. I'm glad you didn't. I, I, I didn't tell you okay. that before you went on stage. Okay, I, I got this little story for you. Uh, I helped the uh, Jim Thorpe Association mm-hmm. uh, present the Jim Thorpe Award for a few years at the NCAA Awards. Mm-hmm. And I was... I tell you, that was... When you were talking about millions of people, that's yeah. a little different than 1,200 even. But I, I remember the very first time that I presented it, there was this, this person that was kind of the producer, or the director, kind of standing on the side and causing people to go through. And, and so it was my turn, so I got up in my position. He said, don't worry, Governor, there's only 30 million people watching. Break a leg. And I thought, <laughs> You'll be oh, my, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. cruel. That it, is cruel. Well, that's but, cruel. Yeah. But I got to meet some neat people mm-hmm. uh, through that. I 
presented the award, I think, three times. Yeah. It was, uh, got to meet the players and the coaches and took my grandson with me, too. And yeah. He loved it, too. A great time. For Sorry, sure. I didn't mean to go off. The no, that's there. that's brilliant. These, this is what this is for: is to tell stories that not a lot of people know about, um, and to tell stories that you know people maybe they they can't read about this. This is personal experience and, and seeing it through your eyes. But moving a little forward, um, kind of talk to me about your uh, the nation's involvement with the First America's Museum, First Americans Museum, and then the whole development because that's there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen there and. I mean, I think some of the plans have been released about a complex going in, but I mean, if if you're allowed to share more about it, I'd love to hear what the plans are coming forward because it's going to be an incredible development. Let's talk a little bit about the museum yeah. first. It, it, it's something that uh, really came out of uh, something that Governor Bellman, back in his second term, his first term, he had one term and then he left and mm-hmm. went to Senate and then he came back and for governor again and was elected quite handily but uh, during during that term he was at the Oklahoma economy he was they were concerned about diversification so they they had Price Waterhouse come in and do a study and they took different facets or different segments of the economy and they took a look at it one that Price Waterhouse took a look at was the uh, tourism industry, and when, in their final report, they talked about the assets of the state, and they uh, they talked about maybe some gaps, and they indicated that two of the uh, most important things that the state had to offer were being overlooked. Mm-hmm. One was the Western heritage, and the other was the American Indian heritage. That the, that the state could develop tourism in that area that might be uh, very beneficial to the economy. So uh, there were some folks that took that banner up and said, okay, well, let's see what we can do about creating a Native American mm-hmm. um, element to the tourism. And so they came up with a... a Cultural Center, that's what it was referred to. And that was my first involvement after that, mm-hmm. after that the study with this museum. Uh, there was a, a study, a feasibility study done, and it was actually conducted by Oklahoma City University. And there, um, they looked at all aspects of the of, Museum and the size and the costs and all those things, and they uh, they came to the conclusion: yes, it is feasible. Mm-hmm. About the same time, the governor uh, issued requests for proposals because he felt like that we needed to do it, and so it was different entities sent over uh, their proposal in, and the group that I was with actually got that uh, got selected for that uh, museum it was intended that the state would fund it mm-hmm. uh, and so that was my first involvement yeah this was back in the 1990s um, and uh, we uh, there were some of the people on that uh, committee 
were Allie Reynolds, who was a former baseball pitcher for New York Yankees, was a Creek Nation. Kelly Hanyu, who just passed, uh, and chief of the uh, Creek Nation, Claude Cox. Um, and uh, his name escapes me right now. But he was with the Oklahoma Historical Society and myself. And so we submitted that proposal to the governor. I remember the last few months of his term, he was trying to come up with a way to fund it. And we went to his office, to uh, his conference room, and he brought people in and he was saying, okay, what, what do you think we can do here? Or can we use this funding vehicle to fund this thing? And it was just, there was just not enough time yeah. for it to happen. So it sat on the shelf and Kelly Haney, uh, was in the state legislature. He was able to get the a bill passed to actually create the Native American Cultural and Education Authority. Um, and then on the Senate side, um, there was a senator from Altus who was able to carry it through. So then it, it was created. The entity was a state uh, authority, and they put people on the board. I was asked to serve at, at that point. So we went through many years yeah. of planning and developing, looking for funding until we got here. So it's been a labor of love, but it's also been um, one of those challenges that you have is when you're, it's a state type project mm -hmm. where there's an ebb and flow in support, ebb and flow in funding, and then the cost continues to go up because of inflation. Even mm -hmm. if it's that much inflation, right. it, it goes up. So we finally were, we were able to get it done. It wasn't just me. There was a lot of us working mm -hmm. on it. And, uh, we, of course, we opened it up last year. And uh, it's really taken off. The dream has been fulfilled. The result is better than we actually expected because we, we have more visitation than we expected. I mean, it's just every day. There are a lot of people that are attending. It was not complete, however, uh, without some uh, ways to create an economic development there too, mm -hmm. which would create some revenue flow for the museum. And uh, a couple of years ago, I guess it's been, it's been at least two years ago, we worked out a deal with the city of Oklahoma City to acquire all the property around it. Mm -hmm. And this was a business venture on, from our Department of Commerce. Yeah. And so uh, they had envisioned a little bit of what you've heard mm -hmm. back then and a little more because it, and it has been revealed but on the other side of the museum on the west side uh, there will be some development there too mm -hmm. but this project was a family friendly to start with fam family mm -hmm. first americans museum 
And so it was our desire to put together something that would be not only family friendly, but also bring in uh, people to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. We had some talent again to put this together and to do the planning. And uh, it is about a $320 million project. We couldn't even dream of $320 million project in 1987. Yeah. Okay, it just wouldn't have yeah. been something we would even uh, begun to think of. But today we have the resources to help make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's a water park. It's a uh, in, in-house and outside of the facility. There'll also be some other tourism activities going on, including a uh, arts uh, area, mm-hmm. and uh, we—they've already started the dirt work on it. If you drive by there, you'll see it looks even neater now than it did <laughs> when they opened the museum. And so uh, we should have it finished in 18 months or so. Yeah. And it, uh, again, it's family friendly. Some people think there'll be a casino there. No, there <laughs> won't be a casino there. Yeah. It's uh, not that casinos can't be made family-friendly. It's just that we never started out with that as a goal. Mm -hmm. It's to help enhance what's uh, helped the museum do better and all at the same time create a net income. Mm -hmm. Did I cover that okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's all, you know, and obviously there is bigger plans, you know, for... For the for the area that that haven't been shared yet, but it's you know it, the location's perfect. You know it's it's right there. It complements you know the whole the river sport activities and then down the river into downtown. It it, it you know it couldn't be in a better place. But you're going to get traffic through Oklahoma City, and it's going to be an added bonus, or it is an added bonus, and bringing in an element that you said you know like you said is needed f- to to share. Native American history, and I mean the traffic from the study was there in the '90s. If anything, that's probably gone up, you know. So it's 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 exciting. The thing that's really really neat about the whole thing, the museum and and this project, we cleaned up an old oil field. Not that you know it was abandoned. Yeah. And uh, we had the environmental folks come in, and they they did a great job in cleaning it up, and making it. People friendly. Mm-hmm. I I mean, we could sit here for days to talk about the impact and the people that you've met and the people that have come to you just to say thank you and you know the families that, like when you grew up, you know, you had to either drive to Lawton or Talamina, you know, and, and now that impact and, it's, and regardless of its health, its education, the schooling, you know, you mentioned seeing kids graduate ECU and you know. There's so many stories from that, and then going to the Oklahoma Hall of Fame and the stuff that you do for the community in general, not just the nation that you have. It's incredible to look at, and I get the sense that you probably sometimes feel uncomfortable when people praise you because, like you said earlier, it's not us, it's we. You know, it's not you, it's we, mm-hmm. and it's all of those people. But because you're at the top, people see you as uh, the decision maker. It's got to be that person. Um, and I know in the past, and, and like you said today, it's it's we. It's not just I'm not the one that's doing everything. Like that's we get we get to where we are because of who we are, what we have done. Finishing up, what are you excited about this year? 
what excites you going into the future and, and maybe just a short term towards the end of the year that um, Chicksville Nation is, is proud to work with, alongside, be a part of? I'm going to start with a personal thing. Um, this COVID thing, if it lifts, we're going to get to see more of our people. That's one thing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, t tonight we're having a gathering of the community in Murray County. Mm -hmm. We have several of those uh, scheduled now, about four. There's no explanation for the way you feel when you're there with them, knowing uh, and hearing what they've got to say. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have to say what's on your mind. You know, they always have the program and you say a few words. But what they have to say and what they need, what they want us to, to be, gives us an opportunity to hear that. A lot of times people don't come to you. They don't come to the office and tell you what they yeah. like. You have to go to them. And that's part of why I like those door-to-door -door things. Because people will tell you if yeah. there's some, an issue. Now, as far as the tribe as a whole and some things that we're we're doing, I, I think the, the planning for the new medical facility over at Newcastle is really, that's pretty much, a, that's close to the top. And then we have the uh, large project up in Oklahoma City, being able to see that develop and become a reality. And of course, the the, maybe the small things that people think they're small, but seeing the kids graduate and getting our camps going again where we can have the kids come in for one kind of camp or another, see our arts academy get rolling again. Those are important things. We've had kids come out of that arts academy, but you know, majored in music or when they went to college or one thing or another like that. And uh, I think uh, we have these large projects that are going to be opening up. And then just opening up in general, doing the things that we have been doing for so long that we had to shut down, that they'll open back up again. And I think really the small things are the ones that are going to make you feel the best. And um, so uh, people have been isolated. Yeah. Even even when they were able to move around, we didn't have the things going that we mm -hmm. usually had. So uh, it's it's that the services and the yeah the projects Can't we have going. Faces. You have no idea. Actually, you know, we shook hands, right? Yeah. Couldn't even get close enough to shake hands with people, you know. Yeah. And when you, if you did, it was a fist, fist bump, bump or an elbow, elbow bump yeah. or something. It's just not the same. So we get back to living again, get back to doing what we have uh, done before, mm -hmm. and get to see the smiling faces, not just hear about it. We had some tragic times that we've come through, you know, over the last couple of years, and we lost a lot of, of our people.
maybe not as many as some tribes have, but we did lose them. And we, we have to work to make sure our families are strong, continue to be strong. Mm-hmm. That really is what we're about as family. That's what this nation is all about. And it's not like a regular government where you just have constituents that they're weak, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But we're all connected. We're family. And so... Uh, Getting back to that family atmosphere is really important for us. Yeah. Special. They're really, and I mean, it makes every day, you know, every day there's an experience like that, right? That you see someone, you shake someone's hand, you might have not met them, but you know their family, and, mm-hmm. you know, they just, even if it's just a quick thank you. Before, you know, I, I, came, you before I came down here, I had a, an interview. Uh, for a position, one of our uh, executive officer positions. And the lady I visited with, I knew her grandfather. And so, I mean, there was a connection yeah. almost immediately. I, she didn't bring that up until later in the discussion, but she said, I just wanted to find out if you knew him, you know. <laughs> and yes, I did. He was a fine man, did yeah. a, a good work. But that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We're all, we know each other, maybe not directly, indirectly, we have, we know family. Mm-hmm. But it's, we're just one big family. <laughs> but, uh, so we're helping each other. Yeah. Then we, we have a lot of people who are not family that work for us, you know, probably over 50% of the employees we have are uh, not necessarily connected with the nation. And uh, we think that that's good for our, mm-hmm. us and good for our economy, and good for the community to be able to have those jobs out there for people. Yeah. It goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, not just helping your community, but the community in general, you know, with all the things that you're involved in that the nation supports. And, you know, and it's, you know, they might see the logo on the marathon boxes that were handed out, you know, yesterday and the day before, but... You know they they're definitely aware of that support, even if they're not a part of the nation you know what's, themselves. What's cool about it? Sometimes we we're not asking for right for promotion a lot no, of times. Yeah. They want to put that on there, yeah. which that shows they have a connection with the nation, and that really makes you think about it. I mean, yeah. it's not like we just have a connection with them. They want that our logo. Mm-hmm. So they can say that we're collective working together. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. I, c- I could sit here and, and ask you questions all day. Um, there's so much to learn. We didn't even get into some of the leadership stuff that I that I want to talk to you about. The travel and tourism stuff that you guys do. Um, you know, when you just for people listening, I'll go to the I'll put the link in the I'll put the link in the description for the websites, and just check them out because there's. I'll link you to one website and that'll link you to all of the websites, which there's so much work there um, that you guys can see, not just from um, a cultural standpoint, but from a tourism standpoint, education. I mean, it's it's fascinating and you know the impact reaches far and wide. But thank you so much for sitting down with us. We really appreciate um, the chance to share your story. You're doing great work and you know it's it's an honor to be here and, and have a platform to share that story. So. Well, uh, sometimes 
I feel like that I've been to see a psychiatrist. I get to pour this stuff out, yes. you know. And yeah. uh, it's, not, it's not every day that people even ask the questions like uh -huh. that you've asked. It makes you think a little more deeply. You get, I don't want to say you're in a rut, but you, you have certain things that you do every day and you don't get to really share it like this. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't bother me if you just bottle this up and put it away. You know? <laughs> I don't really, Yeah. Uh, I'm not looking for anything at all. Uh, but just being able to share has a, makes you feel better. It takes you back a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And there are a lot of things I didn't share. It, there's not enough time. Mm -hmm. But if, if what you have is good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Uh, there's a lot in there. And I'm sure people listening are, are excited to dive deep into you know the history um, and to learn a lot more. But there is, thank you so much. Because there there, you gave a lot today, and I appreciate it. Well, sometime, if, if you want to know more about the Chickasaw Nation, uh, this is not an ad, but we have... Uh, a website called Chickasaw.tv. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of videos on there about a lot of different things. Uh, you could learn more about our people because there are a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. You've seen the profiles that we've done on TV. Yeah. And that just scratches the surface. But there are other things on there that be, could be helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, We've had that for a number of years, and then we have uh, the profiles that we do. That's, that's so cool to hear some of those and see yeah. some of those folks. Okay, I, I better... <laughs> Thank you so much. I better much. check in. Yeah, for people listening, we'll catch you next episode, and I'll put the links in the description. Thank you so much. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.